Coffee Time Wednesdays with uh, the Prairie Farm Podcast. Can't hit us with the jingle. Welcome back to the Prairie Farm Podcast. Coffee Time Wednesday, the best part of your week, possibly the worst of ours. Uh, and uh, we are brought to you today by Hoxie Native Seeds. And by that, I mean Dad bought our equipment and pays us to do these. So uh, thank you, Dad. Shout out to Carol Hawksburger. All right. we uh, It's been a couple weeks, and uh, Kent's got a fun one. So we'll start with Peyton. Oh, shoot. <laughs> I uh, was Googling, Googling on uh, environmental news. And what did you find? Well, not much, but I got a little fun shout out to somewhat new president um oh what was his name it's a long one president lula sylvia something but anyway he's uh kind of cut deforest not kind of definitely cut deforestation nice where is it brazil brazil Brazil. and and over half so which is cool because there was a big push it made the news before him the president very much increased it and kind of did away with a lot of uh, environmental conservationism. Yeah. So this, this trying to get the monies come in and clean up a lot of that, which I think is is neat. Hmm. And so that's a, like talking about the Amazon then. Yeah, it's dude crazy because there's probably thousands of species there that are not there anywhere else on Earth, and yeah, we're just out there oh, yeah. mowing it down. Who is that like guy who was saying? I saw a YouTube clip of it, I think, of this guy saying that uh, the Amazon actually started as agriculture. Aaron Hernandez. No. <laughs> <It's> not. <laughs> Don't listen to anything that guy said. <laughs> Especially if he asked you to hang out. You guys know what I'm talking about? Not a clue. Um, this guy yeah, was saying so- that it like started as agriculture, almost monocultures or dual culture, bicultures, and so- then... So what what I do know of, which and I'm not even sure if this took place in Brazil. I'm not saying this is true. I'm just yeah. But um, there's evidence when they've gone to look at ancient South American civilizations, like that what we consider to be ancient civilizations were building on top of the ruins of other ancient civilizations, and so. A lot of that's, you know, since the most recent ancient civilization that was there fell has, again, like returned to the land, so to speak. You know, like forest has grown up over top of it and stuff. But I think they've used like LIDAR and stuff to like look over these vast forests and they'll see like, oh, yeah, you can kind of see the rough outline of where a field may have been, like an agricultural or even uh, one that I uh, read about or, or listened to a book he was in 1491 talked about uh it seemed as though there were civilizations that shipped in or you know excavated elsewhere and hauled in uh like good topsoil to have agriculture in areas that i believe would be considered the rainforest now so that might be on par with or on the same line of thought that aliens. you're talking about. Do you think it's the same ones? For Dick, sure, aliens. You beat me to it. The same ones that <laughs> Egypt out? Yeah. It's not Friday. We can't talk about ancient aliens. Oh, man. Okay. I, I'm not saying... We have no proof of any of this. This is just stuff we've heard. But uh, I, think it, I think it's fascinating that they think there was like a fairly advanced civilization, like on par or more advanced than what the West, or West is in Europe, 
what Europe was at. Oh yes, time. yes, definitely, definitely for South America. Yes. Yeah, because they they were doing some crazy things, but uh, but then they just like went extinct, bro. They had the calendar. Well, it was all out. you know. It <laughs> yeah. was it was like they were advanced in so many practical ways, like life, day to day living. I mean, of course, there was other hardships and and challenging things and injustices that were going on. Uh, and wars and things as well between different groups of people. But um, like, as far as like day-to-day technology and like ways of doing things and, and ingenuity, a lot of that was better in South America, but what, what the West or sorry, the Eastern world was really good at was fighting with each other, like major wars. Right. Mm, and so yeah. when, when conquistadors and, and uh, these explorers started bringing that over here. The even though the day to day advancements were better, um, the Europeans were fighting with horses and cannons and and uh, you know metal armor and and uh, you know more advanced war. And so they just took and over the those South American and made those they made those cultures go maze. away. Yeah. So they, they, you know, they overran them and kind of deleted those cultures, which is Man. sad. Yeah, that's crazy. Humans are crazy, literally. Uh, who? Well, man, what was that? Uh, who's that artist that sings People Are Crazy? Oh, uh, Billy Currington. One of the two. Man, I did not think we were going there today. Well, so. here, here's something interesting that I want to call out there and like applaud Brazil for. They're they're known for a lot of things, you know. They have they're a they're a strong, you know, pretty wealthy country in a lot of ways. Um, but a you know a big a big thing for them is their rainforest resource and the logging and deforestation that goes with that and supports. I gotta imagine a pretty sizable portion of their economy. And here you got the president there saying, "Yeah, we're gonna cut that in half." Imagine if. Uh, if uh, Joe Biden had the power and did and did say, we're, you know what, we're really good at growing corn here and soybeans, we're going to cut that in half because we see the environmental impacts of doing so. I think that would uh, cause some noise and some economical uh, or economical, uh, you know, uproar here in America. Yeah. Well, and so just being committed to doing the right thing, it's easy for us to say like, yeah, good job over here. But no, like, really good job, man. Yeah. Compared to like, you know, not deciding to drill oil, something like that. Yeah, in America. right. Dude. Yeah. Yep, exactly right. I mean, that's a huge, that's a huge commitment to doing what you believe in. Yeah, it's weird because with those decisions, half the people are going to be mad. And half the people are going to be out like any decision, any political oh, party yeah, person no makes doubt, it. Yeah. But the people who are mad are usually mad about money. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Or, I mean, I guess people are mad about conservation when poor decisions, but like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like a, a, a lot of uh, the people who are mad are, are just mad about money. And that's, that's an okay reason to be mad. But to me, it's an inferior reason to be mad. All right. I'll go next. Well, it can't go. I'm also talking about Brazil. Brazil. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Crazy. I think Brazil's a top five agricultural country in the world. According to this article 
on futurefarming.com. It is number one in orange and coffee and huge for grapes and some other things. But um, John Deere tests autonomous sprayer from GUSS, G-U-S-S, it's an acronym, on large orchards in Brazil. And the article said, let's see, there are more than 2,000 GUSS sprayers in operation in the United States, uh, whether for citrus or grapes. So it seems like they need to be for things that have rows, like trees can be in rows, the mm-hmm. grapevines you can put in rows. Um, but it's it looks like a tank. It looks like a we. It looks like a cyber truck almost. I'm looking at a picture. That's of what it I now. thought you were looking at when I first glanced up at your screen. The, the old cyber truck. Nope, yeah. nope. We're looking at John Deere's newest and latest. They also uh, John Deere was showing it off recently at uh, a big old a big old trade show. Um, but they're testing it out in Brazil. They're trying to get it up and going. But here was the thing I thought interesting. So John Deere, they've got millions or billions of dollars for marketing and, and figuring out what the market can bear and what they can handle. And it seems like this article was posted, I think, just a few days ago. It was posted, oh, this morning. It was posted this morning. And uh, so John Deere basically has decided the public is ready for autonomous farming. That's a big deal. Yeah, it's a huge because deal. Because John Deere is the one, not that they're necessarily trying to steer which direction the public's going. No pun intended. Yeah. That was a good one, Nick. Good one. Yeah. We're going to, I have no comment. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I'm embarrassed. We've already technologically been ready for autonomous farming for a while. I I mean, there's like autonomous drones all over the place for spraying and with corn and beans. There's no reason other than, well, even go, even go back to Tesla, you know, like that's already been a, a uh, big part of what they've been pushing towards for a while now is is autonomous, you know, steering vehicles. And so the oh, technology yeah. is definitely I mean, it's freaky because imagine you're in the in the passenger seat and someone who's way safer driver than you is driving. You can still get that like, uh, what are you doing if they hit the rumble strips or something like that? Like, uh, even though you'd hit the rumble strips way more, you feel better when you're in control. Yeah. So even though autonomous cars would have way less crashes, it feels worse when you're not the reason there was a crash. It's like something else holds my fate. I don't, but with farming, it's interesting because it, I, to me, if, if you're farming corn and beans for financial reasons, and what I mean by that is it's not as much a tradition. You've done the math, you know, that corn and beans and we can we can rag on that a little bit on this podcast but like it makes sense like a lot of people they're making more money for the family on corn and beans uh, if you're going to do that i and you've got a big enough operation it seems like the autonomous is going to be the way to go in the next 10 years and i i would be shocked i would be shocked if in 25 years people were still driving equipment i would yeah. genuinely be shocked i feel like bill gates well, it- is just going to click he's going to press his his planting button and like thousands of vehicles are going to go out and plant all the farms in America with his software. And then later really old in in October, he's going to hit his, uh, his other button, uh, the harvest button and all the, the combines will go out and they'll just harvest by themselves. Well, that might be a little far with the whole Bill Gates thing. So, uh, Bill Gates, Look, someone look up how old Bill Gates is, because I'm curious if he'll be 100 years old. It's not when, in 25 years. It's not about how old he is; it's about how old he will be. Because we have modern medicine, 
He and he is. At he's only going to be ninety-two in twenty-five years. Yeah. So he Wait, definitely. what? He's sixty-seven. Um, he's not that old. I wonder how old uh, Warren Buffett is right Wait, now. So he's ninety-two. Ken, you're saying he's like Kent's age then? <laughs> he's <laughs> <a> <laughs> oh, the age of Kent. Oh, Elon my. Musk is fifty-one. Jeff Bezos is fifty-nine. These are like the four richest people in the world. How old is Warren Buffett? Ninety-two. Ninety-two. Yeah. So Warren Buffett's still going strong. I wonder if Warren Buffett, how much money he would give a, he would pay to only be 70, you know, to like go back that far. But yeah. Anyway, uh, Kent, you got something for us? Yeah. So, uh, kind of a big thing in the ag news, uh, lately is, uh, this deal between Iowa and California. And really it's not just an Iowa, California issue. It's technically uh, any hog producer. Iowa just makes the news because they are the biggest pork producing state uh, in the country. And uh, essentially what this is based on an article, I'm going to, I'm going to name the article. Um, I've done that. I've said I was going to do that before in previous Uh, coffee times and i forget to so this is from the des moines register and the article is titled supreme court rejects urbandale based groups challenge to california pork law and it was uh written by john i believe it's pronounced fritz and donnell eller and uh it's a good article it does a nice job uh laying out what all is going on with that uh, i actually got to give carol a shout out for this because he's the one that uh tipped me off on this being in the news i i don't watch enough news um i should i should keep my ear to the ground a little bit better than i do but Dude, carol dad loves his 5 30 news well and six well i'm glad for that because news. he he told me about this topic and um essentially what it is is back all the way in uh 2018 california uh, started to, well, I guess they had, it was a ballot initiative um, called Proposition 12 that was going to um, ban the sale of pork in California that came from a, a facility, a farm, that uh, raised the sow. And uh, I believe, so it's interesting, it, this is how the article states it bans the sale of pork in California unless the sow from which the butchered pig was born was housed in a pen with at least 24 square feet of floor space. So is that per pig or can you just shove 50 pigs into 24 feet? (laughs) Well, yeah. Loophole, baby. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so here's, let's let's, let's look at how it's, it's, it's a good point. So unless the sow from which the butchered pig was born was housed in a pen with at least 24 square feet of floor space. So I think based on how that reads, it um, means that a sow with piglets is all that's allowed to be in that 24 square foot. Now, I'd, Which is not big. No, it's not very big that's at all. four foot by six foot. Right, right. It's not very big at all. And uh, the article... Goes on to say this, tight pens that prevent the animals from turning around are the industry standard. Okay, um, that's that's according to this article. I haven't been in a confinement shed in a very long time, so I don't I don't know if that's if that's totally you know accurate in all cases. 
Um, but if so, I mean, that's <laughs> to put yourself in the, in the hooves of the, of the pig that can't even turn around, you know, turn a mile in the, the pig's hooves, I think is the expression Ken's <laughs> yeah. looking for there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, that's, that's pretty tight quarters, um, to be living pretty much your entire existence. Yeah. The only thing worse than the painful death we give those pigs is apparently a painful life. <laughs> right. Literally not even being yeah. able to turn around. That's about yeah. the same square foot as a average New York apart- apartment. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so what's what's the what's the big deal? Why can't you know, why can't everyone just be all right, fine, we'll make bigger stalls. Well, this goes back to, you know, when you have such a systemized way of doing agriculture, when there's such an industry standard to how everything is done, that system works like a well-oiled machine as long as everything stays to the specifications of the well-oiled machine. But as soon as something changes, the system becomes incredibly fragile. We saw that during uh, the 2020 shutdowns, you know, especially in the hog operation side of ag. Um, you had, you had these giant hog operations that, you know, have to have a steady flow of pigs going through them pretty much daily, right? Through different developmental sizes, these pigs, boom, this is the magic day. They're ready for slaughter. In comes the new, the new, uh, hogs to finish, right? And then they'll be on their way to sale. Well, there became a big traffic jam in that because the slaughterhouses, weren't staffed to continue taking that flow of pigs. And so they were literally having to kill pigs and bury them in, you know, a pit because there was no way to, you know, like halt that flow of pork. And so here again, we see with such a systematic way of doing things, you know, a, a relatively slight change, because like Nick said, that's not that big of a spot. I imagine it's probably not that much bigger than what their current pens are. Um, th- you, It takes the whole system and throws it out of whack. And instead, what you see a lot of the opposition saying, and uh, I have a couple uh, quotes here that I thought were worthwhile to, to mention. Um, this first one uh, comes from the National Uh, Pork Producers Council President Scott Hayes. He's quoted in the article. It says, we are very disappointed with the Supreme Court's opinion. And this is not California Supreme Court. This is the federal Supreme Court, U.S. Supreme Court. Allowing state overreach will increase prices for consumers and drive small farms out of business, leading to more consolidation. Um, Whatever his term is for small farms is probably not the same one that mine is. And uh, when you look at how the pork industry has what it what it is now, um, that just doesn't really match with what small farm used to mean. And so uh, I thought that was kind of interesting that he pointed that out, that the system that has already eliminated what I would call a true small farmer is now possibly going to eliminate the new small farmer and and uh, the machine will, will just keep on churning, right? Uh, there was a farmer in Minnesota that just got busted for several, I want to say it was either 10 or $21 million. Um, he was selling crops as organic, 
Ooh. And they were not. Ooh. Mm. So he has to, he'll probably face criminal charges, but he's got to pay back all the millions of dollars. I think it was $10 million wow. that he made. And that kind of reminds me of like. Well, good for the industry to yeah. monitor that. But you how, know? it's one of that's things, always That's always been the, the criticism that they say it's organic, yeah. but it's not. It's one know? of the things with this, like, how are you going to enforce that? Because all. Yeah. There's, you know, multiple. My mic is in front of me, Nicholas. No, don't, I can see when it's loud enough. Don't I can offer see me anything. Anyways, there's one slaughterhouse is going to um, take in multiple multiple pigs from multiple farmers. So it's a question of like, A, how do you even go to start enforcing this? And how's that, what's, what's that look like? Yeah. I imagine it's all packing labels, right? Because in California, they didn't ban the sale. Did they? They just... No, it's it's a banned it, sale if you if you can't verify uh, that. Now, here's the other thing that's interesting about it. I get it that California might well, it's either California or New York, right? Or the those are the two most populous states. Um, I, I'm not sure which it is. I wouldn't be surprised if it's California. Washington D.C. is probably up there. Um, not a state, <laughs> but uh, but uh, California is a lot of people, so it's I, the most get, populous state. It is for sure. Yeah, yeah. So most populous state, that's a huge chunk of, you know, your, your customer base, but it's far from all of it. You know, um, there's still, you know, 49 other states, as far as I know, that this, that pork can still be sold in. So um, I believe the estimated loss, uh, I, I, I do remember these numbers, I think. I think it was $26 billion industry is the pork industry. And uh, there's an estimated loss of like 290 to 350 million dollars. So, so like one percent. Yeah, I think. Yeah, because ten percent would 10%? be like two billion, and so take away yeah, another right. zero. Yep, so you're, yep. you're looking at a one percent. <laughs> we do maths here, dude. Uh, you know what the news was doing? They were like, you know what people would watch? The West left people arguing with conservative right people. People would be interested in that. <laughs> and that's why we have that article. Because I guess the consequence isn't that big. Here's what I here's what I want to add though, because this is a big deal. Two things on what you were saying is uh, sorry if my chair squeaks. No worries. Uh, the the big one thing that people hate is more government regulation. Another thing that people hate is poor business practice. Right, and here you get one or the other. Yeah. You get either yeah. more government regulation or or better business practice or worse business practice and the the problem with or the but the good thing that's coming out of that is the consumer is stepping up and saying, "Hey, this is what we right. want." Yeah, I just think that they should decide what they want with their dollar, you know, because because let's say a small farmer wants to do pasture uh pasture pigs, you know, yes. that's a lot more land, a lot more money. Well, if the consumer said, "Hey, we'll pay more money for this," yep. then and I actually don't like calling people consumers. If if people uh, said, "Hey, we'll we'll pay more money for those pigs," then then it would make sense. But yeah. the pasture grown pigs have to compete in price right now with the confinement hogs, and that doesn't work. I would also push back on this that it's not just an issue between those two things; that it's also an animal rights issue. In a yeah. lot of ways. And, yeah. you know, what... No, that's a good point. What rights does any living creature, you know, have? Um, obviously, and these pigs are all dependent on the the farmer who raises them. So it's 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 a matter of, like, 
does the farmer have a right to treat the pigs in any way he wants and what um luxuries in air quotes there is is this pig um entitled to have and maybe we should just release all the pigs and in it's, canada and oh, it's, and it's a, start with that, that is never the answer by the way that is never the answer you see people do that all the time what the, just release pigs? well, well not just pigs uh the big one is minks yeah and that's it was a big deal with in ohio yeah osha did this in iowa or not maybe not osha but some not osha it wouldn't be osha it would have been uh osha is a a, a work yeah safety. i meant um PETA. PETA. There, there we go <laughs> same thing. Uh, but i think <laughs> I think it went. It was going on in Ohio here recently, but but anyways, that's a that's a whole another can of worms. But Peyton's right, and it's of course impossible to answer well, that that question. Like, what exactly? Where does where is that line drawn? But it's a very good question that he asks because that really is kind of what drives this whole thing. Is is uh, where you know <laughs> what is our responsible role in all of this and. Um, you know, we joked earlier about putting ourselves in the hooves of the pig, but uh, I think you do have to do a little bit of that, right? It's not it's not apples to apples for sure because we don't get slaughtered for food, thankfully. But um, if I was going to be slaughtered for food, um, at least uh, give I me would, some TV yeah, and some good food and, and a nice allow me and allow me to turn around. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what predatory animal would you? This is our going out question. What predatory animal question. would you like to be killed by? And to I'm gonna eaten? and I'm gonna add this to it as well. If that predatory animal was gonna uh, like put out a bait pile for you, what bait pile would you get nailed over? Oh, good Ooh. question. I'll go first since I thought of that. <laughs> yeah, for me it'd be pistachios. If they put out a pile of pistachios. I'd be like walking on my merry way through the woods and be like, whoa, that's a lot of pistachios. <laughs> and then it would be a, I think I'm going to go with grizzly because. Oh my goodness. Yeah, man. but it's quick. Oh, it's quick with the grizzly. Exactly they come up thinking. behind the way, when they're like, when they're in a predatory mode, not like in a fighting you off mode, they come up behind you and they bite you on the back of the neck and the skull and just, it's, it lights out literally. Because think about it. Do you want to be eaten by yeah, a like tiger? wolves like hamstring? You know, yeah. they like nip at your oh, butt. Oh yeah, and I definitely hand. wouldn't pick wolf. I was thinking some sort of cat. Like, don't cats go for the neck? Is yeah, but there's no, a lot of struggle there while you're. Yeah. What they just kind of like? Big. Yeah, they just kind of lay on top of you and hold you by your throat and takes you a little while. Man, this is a tough. <laughs> very this sad. really devolved. By me. the way, go to our episode while Nick thinks here. Go to our episode uh, with Carter Niemeyer. And check out his book, Wolfer. He talks about how uh, part of his job as a, uh, uh, a wildlife services agent, he'd have to go and look at cows that were dead in this guy's ranch, and they they would want to accuse wolves every time, and he'd have to do like a, what they call it, a necropsy, uh, where you like look at how this thing died and, you know, look, okay, are there bite marks on the, you know, is this a signature killing of a wolf, a lion, or a, or a bear? Can I pick humans just shooting me no. through the heart? Nope. I got mine. So that is cannibalism and it is frowned upon. Easy. Yeah. Okay. Well, this first is... of all, my pile would be Starburst probably. Starburst like, is your bait or pile? Skittles. Yeah. Something healthy like pistachios. Man. Yeah. A shark would be my answer because Kent took bear, which is where I was going. But I want a quick death. And I think drowning is just the way to go here. <sighs> 
If what sh- is wrong with you? It, it's got, <laughs> dude, like you're going to black out. You're going to, you know, struggle for a couple seconds, but you're going to black out quicker because you're underwater and hopefully it attracts more sharks, but finishes you off quicker, which is I'm, I'm choosing. I'm choosing. Nick's having so much trouble here. I'm choosing for him. Anaconda just grabs him by the face and swallows, one. swallows him yeah. whole. Or it, you know, no. Suff- <laughs> no, it suffocates you. That's yeah, the- slowly. No. Yes, they gonna, do. What they do is you though. exhale. And then they squeeze. Yeah, but you're going to pass out. You ever been choked out? Yes. It's fine. It's fine. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Prairie Farm Podcast. Do remember, we are presented by Oxynative Seeds. Come to us for all your CRP. And we're normally about prairie. Backyard prairie. We're about prairie. (laughs) Backyard prairie. Or uh, whatever whatever whim you have to get prairie down on your on the ground, we are here for you. So make sure you head over to hoxynativeseeds.com or theprairiefarm.com and give us a follow on Instagram as well at hoxynativeseeds.